real honor to be the one preaching for you today on this Youth Sunday, but also I wanted to set the record straight. I'm not in high school, so for those of you who grew, grew up with me in this church, I, yeah, I grew this beard today so that you would know I could be separate from the youth, but I am the youngest pastor on staff, so I was asked to preach, and I'm, I'm very honored. So we've been going through the book of James as a church. And this morning, I'll pick up where Pastor Colleen left off last week with James warning the people of the church against certain behaviors. And last week, his warning was against, boast, uh, was against judging, was against being judge over someone else. This week's warning is on boasting about tomorrow. But before we get into it, let me fill you in a little on James. James, just as a reminder, was the brother of Jesus. He saw all the things that Jesus did firsthand. And in this passage is writing a letter to a group of people who were trying to follow Jesus. So a church. And now 2,000 years later, we're still in that same boat. Trying to figure out how to follow Jesus in an ever-changing world. And that, to me, is a humbling thought, but it's also a refreshing thought. It's humbling because although we are a people of God, redeemed by Christ, filled with His Spirit, we are so often in need of guidance. Yet, it's a refreshing thought to know that some of the areas we struggle with as a church, the church has been struggling with from from its beginning. So if we are open to the correction of James and from the Holy Spirit this morning, we're right where we're supposed to be. So let's see what James has to say. I've asked Sophia to read the verse for today. James 4, 13, 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there, doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you, are, for you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. Thank you, Sophia. Let's pray before we dive in. Oh, Lord, thank you for this time. We ask that you would be here with us as we wrestle with this scripture. We are open. We are your church, your people. So guide us in your truth. Speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's actually quite a few things packed into this passage. But this morning... Let's focus in on the arrogance in boasting about tomorrow that James is calling out as destructive. For us, boasting usually is just a synonym for bragging, like talking about how great you are at something. So if I were to say, yo, check me out, I can do a backflip, watch this, maybe that's bragging. Which, by the way, if you can do a backflip, please brag to me and show me find me after service. I'd love to see. But anyway, that is not actually what James is talking about here. It's not just as simple as don't brag. What James is calling out as evil is having a false sense of control over our lives. 
James is calling these followers to look deeper into their own perspectives and break down the arrogance that may be seated there. See, James, as an experienced follower of Christ, wants his fellow followers to understand that life with God will be richer the more we depend on him. I think of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And we know that as the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus shows them saying, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Teaching them dependence on the Father. The natural human tendency that James is warning against is tricking ourselves slowly over time as things go more and more our way that we are the kings and queens of our own lives. So as our culture so often teaches and our culture loves that. Our culture loves to teach you're the king, you're the queen. And with that, I believe, comes a complacency to the fact that God is the good authority in our lives who wants what's best for us, for our growth, and to bring us to full redemption. So why wouldn't we put him on the throne of our trust, saying, God, your will be done. So to understand more fully what James means, let's first look at what he doesn't mean. James says, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's kind of brutal, actually. Who do you think you are? You're going to be gone in an instant. I have to pause right there, throw something in for my youth. I love that he says, what is your life? Because to me, I hear that as the next YOLO. Which, for those of you who don't know, YOLO is a millennial term that means you only live once. So it's, it's meant to be a perspective, to, to be a quick perspective on your life. You only live once, so go for it. So that's not exactly what James is saying here, but he too is presenting a reality check into Christians' perspectives over their lives. So... If you catch me being arrogant about a perspective of control over my own life, here's what I want you to say to me. Bro, while, what is your life? All right, all right. So anyway, when James says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's not meant to promote a spirit of fear or anxiety about the fragility of life, but to give a clear head and an accurate and humble perspective of our lives. This reminds me a little bit of what the pastors say on Ash Wednesday as they anoint our foreheads in oil. From dust you came, to dust you will return. And to me, this is such a fascinating juxtaposition of our faith that while we Know that God loves us personally and deeply. And the psalmist says that, Lord, you know the the number of hairs on my head. And yet, to dust we will return. You are a mist that is here a little while and then vanishes. But James goes on to say, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, 
we will live and do this or that. So rather than live in arrogance or fear, live in humble confidence of the will of the Lord. For James is teaching this confidently because he has seen that the Lord is good and has found him trustworthy. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. So how do we practice this attitude? How do we get it into our daily rhythm? My brother-in-law, who coincidentally is named James, asked me the other day, what are you relying on God for? I stopped for a minute, and then I launched into an answer that was super meta and pretty beating around the bush. For those of you who don't know what meta is, another millennial term that means unclear and existential. Uh, And so I ended my answer with, does that make sense? He said, no. And so what I should have said if I'd been truly honest in the moment is, you know, not much. See, in our culture where we are not forced to rely on God for much at all, it is a good check-in question to ask ourselves and to ask each other, as my brother-in-law did for me. What are we relying on God for? Is there an area in my life that I should be surrendering to God and relying on his provision or intervention? Is there an area in which I'm holding so tightly to the way I see it, the way I want to do it, yet still no good is coming from it? Or perhaps there's an area that's going so well, praise God, but it's going so well that I've forgotten your lordship. So continuing on in James' point, break down this false sense of control in our lives and replace it with reliance on God. But this, like so many other things in our life and our walk with Jesus, has to be approached with a balance. For James' call for reliance on the will of God is not meant to promote laziness. This past Thursday, Pastor Nikki and I and a few other young adults from our church went down to City College for our, our new initiative, Bless BCC, where we set up a pop-up tent, set up our game called our, our spike ball game, hand out free popsicles with a big sign that says, hey, we're the church up the road. We just want to let you know we're here for you. And in doing this, a, a man about my age came up to talk to me and he asked, hey, so what's your religion about? What's your church about? And he said, we got to talking and we got to talking about Jesus. And he said something that I didn't expect. Something along the lines of, I'm not really interested in religion right now because I need to work on myself. I've, I've seen people rely too much on external forces in religion instead of working for themselves. And you know, I actually thought that was a very thoughtful observation by him. But I responded to him in so many words, basically saying that part of what we believe is that Christ empowers us. 
And his redeeming love and his Holy Spirit emboldens us. And I, of course, I've had some time to work that sentence, so I don't think I actually said that to him. So if you would pray that the Spirit works through whatever I said to him, that'd be great. Um, anyway, the, my point is that reliance on God isn't laziness or sitting back and watching life go by. It's actually more initiative. Sometimes it's stepping out in faith beyond a comfort zone saying, God, I'm going forward here and I need you. Sometimes it's the initiative of saying, Lord, I'm at a loss for what to do here. I surrender to you and I need your guidance, your provision. But in my life, when I have prayed that prayer of surrender, it's actually also taken the initiative to start looking for his answers in order to recognize them. It's taken my initiative after praying to then be watchful for his answers. At men's retreat a few weeks ago, I loved it, Pastor John, a free Methodist pastor from down south, reminded us as the first thing in the weekend, he said, remember that God can speak to you in any way. He can speak to you through the preacher, through a song, through advice from a friend, even through overhearing someone else's conversation. And of course, in the quietness of prayer. So I believe that, that God can speak to us in a huge variety of ways, but it takes diving in and keeping our eyes wide open. So relying on God doesn't mean less initiative. It actually means more. And that includes recognizing him at work in your life and giving him the glory. It means God I'm going, to give, I'm going to put in the work that you've given to me, and I'm going to let you be God for the rest of the picture. I think that is what James is getting at when he discourages this attitude of boasting about tomorrow, of, of control over our lives. So now I want to switch gears a little to another action point to combat this boasting attitude. And that is abide in Christ throughout your week. Now to those of you who have been walking with Christ for a long time, this may seem, these may seem like two Christian cliches, rely on God, abide in Christ. But I'm here to remind you this morning that they're cliches because they're so important. They're so important. And they're important because that's the exact opposite of what we're hearing from our culture. Our culture preaches the exact opposite. Recently, I've been listening to a podcast called This Cultural Moment. And in it, Pastor Mark Sayers, who's a pastor in Melbourne, Australia, talks about how in our Western culture, we have a secular map to happiness. He calls it a secular salvation schema which looks something like this get in touch with who you really are get rid of any external authority or tradition or anything speaking into your life telling you something to be and fill your life with what gives you pleasure and when you need to rediscover that inner self but he defines this map 
in order to say that it's failing us. It's failing people in the West and producing anxiety and emptiness and meaninglessness. And we as Christians know that this is a lie that the world commonly will tell us. Kind of like the lie, you're the king, you're the queen. Yet, it is so easy for me, who loves and follows Jesus, to buy into parts of that map to happiness. So the alternative that Pastor Mark Sayers gives is to abide in God's presence. And let his presence be what we are feeding ourselves spiritually on a daily basis. About two years ago, I went through a season of extreme anxiety. I won't go into the details of that now, but I gladly would if you want to ask me about it another time. But the important thing for this morning is that I came to a point when I realized that I was feeding my anxiety with the music I was listening to, the shows I was watching, the jokes I was making. I was letting the culture around me just feed this anxiety. So if, if you're thinking, okay, James was talking about boasting in tomorrow. Now we're at anxiety. How did we get here? Those two don't have much to do with each other. False. They do. See, for me, two years ago, my attitude had become arrogant on a deeper level than I could see. As a Christian, I felt like I was good. I was on cruise control. And I forgot all about abiding in Christ relying on God, following his presence, seeking his voice in my day. So it actually took such extreme anxiety for me to realize my arrogant attitude. When I began to turn my face back to the Lord in surrender, he began to fill me up and changed my life. Listen to what Jesus says about abiding. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So one of the amazing things for me about this passage, this passage that we see in James, is that what James seems to be seeing in his context is not that much different today, in that followers of Jesus still have the human tendency to go with the flow of culture. There is much in our culture that promotes the very thing that James is warning against, that sense of control over our lives. Yet, you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, trust in the will of the one who has redeemed us and saved us and abide in him. Amen. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.